We come today into Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, and uh, we've been moving through these commandments uh, one by one. This is commandment number four, and I tell you what, this was a a good commandment for me to spend a long time on. It's really been a couple weeks now of just sitting and soaking and dialoguing back and forth. And uh, so last week we considered God's holy name and how we are to speak it and and how important it is that we have high regard for his name and and not take it lightly. And now we come to God's holy day. And the same is true. And uh, yet in our time, I don't know that it, it carries the weight that it maybe did a few years ago. Here is the commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. On it you shall not do any work, you, your son, or your daughter, your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For, important word there, basis for this commandment, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. There is a statement of creation in view. Six days, and on the seventh he rested. There is a statement of intention in the sequence of creation. Really, the establishment of a seven-day week. What is a week? It's established by God. A day is 24 hours. The turning of the, of the sun. A, a year, similarly, solar system uh, kind of governed, but what's a week? Well, God made the week. He rested on the seventh day. But here is the question I have for us today. Really, this is the most important question to ask when you come to this commandment is, how do we seek an honor to obey the fourth commandment? How does this meet us? Because here's the reality. Within Whatcom County, there is a vast distinction how this commandment plays itself out on today you go down to bellingham and sunday is not as different a day is it now no knock on those from bellingham but businesses many of them are open right there's there's people playing a lot of soccer on sunday there are a lot of things happening in bellingham that are not interestingly enough happening in linden Now, what's wrong with those Linden people? Well, they're just traditionalists. They're stuck in the past, right? Why are those restaurants closed? How inconvenient is it that it's closed on Sunday? We're hungry. Why the difference? Now, it's not stark. I certainly uh, would imagine that less and less there would be things that would be closed on Sunday, even in Linden. As time passes, this commandment carries what seems less weight on God's people, certainly on the culture. How should the people of God then understand and apply and live out this commandment? That's important for us to know. And I don't know, I mean, if you're like me, really growing up, it's just kind of how we did Sunday. We didn't really talk a lot about it. The why of rest on Sunday. And so my goal would be today to uh, build this out for us so that we can have some resolve, a sense of what should we do and what should we not do and why 
And how can we honor the Lord most on a day set apart for Him? Would you join me in prayer as we dive into this passage? Heavenly Father, we come now before You and we ask that You would lead us into these, these words. This is Your Word. It is good for us. And so we, we want to understand it. And Lord, we want to live it. We want to honor and obey this command. We see that it roots itself more than just in the Ten Commandments. It roots all the way back into the way that you chose to create and rest then on the seventh day. And so we see important things and significance for us, and yet we want to understand more. Come now, we pray, Lord, and open our eyes to these truths and help us to be wise in how we apply them. Not too liberally and and not legalistically, but faithfully to your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first point you'll see on your sermon notes is the significance of God's holy word, uh, God's holy day, the significance of God's holy day. And what I want to do is just kind of move through different uh, aspects of God's holy day. I want to come at it and look at it from different angles. Uh, The first would be, is it significant? Why is it significant? What is this thing all about? And so we look at this, we see that it's a day that is holy unto the Lord. It it is a day set apart. A holy day means a day that is different, unique, and set apart from all the other days. I like this phrase the most. A day unto the Lord. Now, before we uh, make theological error here, we have to make clear, all of our days are unto the Lord, are they not? We go to work on Monday. That is a day to be lived unto the Lord. What's being emphasized here is that the seventh day, this this special day, the Lord's day, is to be set apart, different, lived unto the Lord. That's our goal. Six days for work. Now, for some of you, this is like, oh, six days for work. That must be part of the fall, part of the curse wrong part of the creation mandate isn't it the 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 man was given to work this is pre-fall assignment that was given to adam work is good friend you will in your eternal life be working now the labor is different because of the curse by the sweat of the brow challenge of the dirt and the weeds and all of these things it's cursed work that we endure now but with the lord and with his help six days we can work to his praise and to his glory but there's a seventh day that is to be different set apart unique holy from the other days six days work one day worship not that we don't worship during the work or do those things to the glory of god but there is a uniqueness to that day set apart by him now, it's not just uh, you, it's, it's your family. It is your servants, or maybe you might add your employees. Here's why businesses close. This makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of Christian owners who run businesses who understand it's not just that I would have a day of rest on Sunday for worship, to focus on the Lord, but that also my employees, my servants, those who are serving or working for me, should the same even the animals 
get a day off, a day of rest. And most of us uh, don't have livestock that are working. And, and, you know, John, for instance, his, his cows, they're like, please don't give us a day off. We would die. You've got to milk us, right? Those poor cows. But, but how can we see this in the way that we live? You see, it reaches beyond just, well, yeah, I should probably catch my breath a little. No, it's comprehensive. It reaches, and it reaches even to the sojourners within your gate. So those who had come to do business within the walls of Jerusalem. Nehemiah says years later, what are you doing on the Sabbath, bringing all these goods in here and selling them on the Sabbath day? And he kicks them out of the city and shuts the gates, and they set up outside the gates. And when uh, the, uh, the Sabbath comes, the gates open and the people come out and they, they do their commerce outside the gates. And Nehemiah says, listen, you do that again and I will come with my hands and lay hands on you. Physical altercation was threatened until the sojourners respected and understood this is a different day. It's not just like any other day. And from that point on, they respected Nehemiah's reclaiming of a holy day to the Lord. Interesting. Remember, it begins. Remember the Sabbath. Remember this day. To keep it holy. To keep it set apart. This word remember is significant in that all of these other commands have been the, the, the function of God's character in their midst. And yet at the same time, it, they're already in view. Do not uh, commit adultery was wrong before the commandment was given, right? Do not bear false witness. Uh, do not covet. Do not lie. These things are all wrong before the giving of the law and the writing of it. And so too, this commandment has already been set in place by the Lord. In creation, you see this? For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. And on the seventh day, he rested. He made it holy. It's a seven-day week. You see this also in Exodus 16. Many of you have, I've heard, have already begun to adjust the way you think about the Lord's Day because of what we studied in Exodus 16. I love that. That's, that's the text lived out then. He said, this is what the Lord commands. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest or serious rest. It's a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you'll bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is left over, lay it aside to be kept until morning. This is the miracle. It actually didn't rot. God preserved it so that on the seventh day they had food. They gathered in twice as much on Saturday. It did not stink. There were no worms in it. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath. Don't miss this. To the Lord. You see the focus of this? It's to worship the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall work or gather it. On the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be no manna to gather. Hmm. So the seventh day, the, the Lord's day, is to be respected, to be regarded. Don't justify it away. Oh, especially for those who, who have their own business. There's more work. There's always more work. I just need another day in the week, don't I? Maybe I could just get a few things done on Sunday. Or I just need a little more money. If I worked seven days a week, boy, maybe I could pull that off. 
Some of you are in situations where you don't have a choice. How does that work? How do you deal with shift work when it falls on a Sunday? I think you deal wisely and seriously. You find a way to honor the Lord one day in that week. Set it apart to Him. Don't replace it with something else. Don't forget it. But remember. Remember it. Hold it in high regard. So the significance of God's holy day. Now the freedom of God's holy day. It's so important that we remember this. The freedom of God's holy day. Al Mohler spoke of his childhood as he was raised in a very strict home as it came to uh, the Lord's Day. And he said, when I think of the Lord's Day, I think of a day in which uh, all the things I want to do, I can't do. And all the things I'd rather not do, I must do. Now, that's a juvenile view of the Lord's Day, obviously. And he, he built out how small an understanding of this great gift that he had at that age. In fact, he tells a story about how he was washing his car. He, he turned 16 and got his first car. It's a really nice car. And he was out there washing his car. And his mom caught him on Sunday. And she came out and he said it was a matriarchal address that came and met me. You are breaking the Sabbath by washing your car. And he said, well, if I am honest about it, I was probably breaking the second command, not the fourth, which is idolatry. He was washing that car that he had idolized so much. Can you wash your car? Kevin DeYoung said, in his home, uh, you could do anything after Sunday night church as long as you didn't break a sweat. I would never make it with that standard. I can sweat just thinking about not sweating. I mean, I'd be long gone. Can't swim. Can't laugh. If we think our standards were bad, the Pharisees, far worse. They come and confront Jesus as He walks through the fields with His disciples and they, they take the grain and they, they roll it in their hands and they're putting it in their mouths. See? You Sabbath breakers, you break the law. Is that what Sabbath is? Is that what this command is all about? The freedom of God's holy day. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, these Ten Commandments are reviewed again by Moses. Now for the generation that will go in to possess the land. He goes back over them and in that passage, he adds this in, which is an amazing perspective to consider. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, you see, there's a basis here functioning even in the fourth commandment. Remember this, you were slaves. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. What sense does that make? Well, when you're a slave, is there any difference in the days? No. Every day is the same. You wake up, you load up the bricks, and you try to stay alive. There's no break. There's no rest. There's no distinction of days. It's just survival and labor and heavy load carried on your back. 
day after day after day. This is a gift, a freeing of God's people for rest. Take a break. Stop all your labor. And rest. The freedom. It is to be a day set apart. It really changes when you think about the perspective on this. The day isn't so much of, about all the things you can't do. It's, it's really more about all the things you don't have to do. See, just turn the coin a little bit. Hmm. Do we see it that way? Jesus adds this when confronted by the Pharisees for gathering the grain and eating a little snack on their way through the field. And he said to them, listen, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You come up with all these laws. We, we need a whole week to read the laws so that we can try not to break those laws on Sunday. That's the missing the point. The point is that God gave the Sabbath day, the day of rest unto the Lord as a gift to His people, not a burden. That's the goal of a day unto the Lord. A day to be refreshed. A day apart from any other day. A day to sit and drink in the Lord. A day to gather together and worship Him. It's God's incredible gift. It is the freedom of God's holy day. Resurrection Sunday is the day that we gather. As some would say, our Seventh-day Adventist friends would say, no, Saturday is still the day. As it was in the Old Testament, so it should be now. And they would say quite dogmatically that. Well, why do we worship on Sunday? Jesus, who I believe was a fulfillment of the Sabbath command, uh, the, the true rest that was brought before our view, was raised to life Sunday morning. And so the early church began its practice early on in worshiping that Jesus, that risen Savior on the day of His resurrection. It's Resurrection Sunday or the Lord's Day. And we carry that tradition. But remember this now. There is no New Testament chapter and verse where we can say dogmatically, it has to be on Sunday. And so we must give grace to those who say it's, it's, it's Saturday. Well, that's okay. If you want to gather and worship on Saturday, that's not, that's not wrong. But at the same time, it's not wrong for us to gather and worship on Sunday. There's two passages, I think, that are important for us to see that Paul brings to these, these dynamics because you have Jews who now trust Jesus as Savior. And then you have Gentiles who do the same. And they now are in one church. And there's friction because there's tradition that the Jews are bringing. They're saying, but this is, this is the day we always worship. This is what we're supposed to do. And the Gentiles are like, well, why is this day more important than this day? Listen to what he says. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in the question of food or drink or with regard to festival or new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Oh, that captures the book of Hebrews so well, doesn't it? Don't just settle for the shadow. Live in the reality of Christ 
who is the fulfillment of the fourth commandment. Don't pass judgment on one another. Well, this day or this day or this food or not this food. It's about Christ. Gather around Him. The freedom of God's holy day. Another passage in Romans 14. One person, Paul says, esteems one day is better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it. Why? In honor of the Lord. That's the key. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. So what Paul is saying is, don't make mountains out of molehills. Don't make the whole thing about uh, the specifics of the function. It's about the Lord and your heart. That's the key. That's the key. And so in that, we would say that the fourth commandment is a bit of a unique commandment. Should we obey the fourth commandment? Well, yes. And no. Not in the way necessarily that they would have been required to obey. Why? Because Jesus fulfilled it. I like to think of Sunday as the first day of the week. In our calendar, that's its function. It's the first day. It's the start. It's my day tithe. It's the gift of worship to the Lord. My first day of the week. To be lived for Him. Focusing upon Him. Drawing my attention to Him. Just like the first fruits of my labor would be brought as a gift, a sacrifice, a joyful gift to Him. How much should we give? Is a tithe a requirement? Is 10% the standard? Do we have to give 10% exactly all the time? No. No. Now there's pointers that say it's a guideline. There's principles that we can draw that would, would call us to faithful giving. But in the case of the widow who gave her two pennies and that was all she gave, she gave 100%. And so in some cases, a tithe isn't near enough. 10%. In other cases, God may lay on your heart to give a different percentage. You see? So there's a, there's a waypoint or a, a, a principle to be applied, and yet we need to be careful that we don't overstate and fall prey to legalism. I think the, the key in honoring this commandment is that we do it from the heart. That what we do on the Lord's day, be done from the heart. That we seek to honor Him and obey Him and draw our attention and our worship to Him in a special way, apart from other days of the week. Now, the priority, the priority of God's holy day. This really is kind of obvious, but I think it needs to be stated, especially in the time in which we live and the place in which we live. We live in the Northwest. Uh, my dad and I had a long conversation about this because this is one of the unique challenges of living in such a beautiful place. You know, the concept of the weekend is relatively new. Throughout church history, this idea of weekend, it's the weekend, let's go. That's not really long established. When you think weekend, how many days do you think? This is where it kind of lands a little, doesn't it? 
the priority of God's holy day. How important is gathering with God's people on Sunday? How, how important on the line of priorities in your life is being here together with His people on Sundays? Now, be careful. I don't want to fall into legalism. I'm not saying that somehow you perform to earn grace by checking a list and keeping attendance. Well, I was here 52 Sundays out of the year. Boom. Don't forget that, Lord. I scored. That's not why we're here, friends. We're here because He is. And this is His day. Where else would we be? Let us consider Hebrews 10. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. We are a people called out from the context in which we live. Even in the beautiful Northwest, there is a priority on Sunday to gather with the people of God. To obey this command and worship Him faithfully Sunday after Sunday. Now, that doesn't mean we can't take a vacation. Go take a vacation. Get away. But if you take a vacation more often every Sunday, or if you're taking a vacation every month on a Sunday, or two Sundays out of the month, I think we got a problem with the esteem of God's holy day has to do with how we plan. My grandfather, oh, my mom's dad, he was a very successful businessman. And he said, I, I could have thrown myself into golf. Now, I, I like to golf. I golfed recently. I'm not knocking on golf. It's not sinful to golf. He said for himself, golf was an isolating sport. It's not something you can bring the family along. So what he did is he bought a boat. And he said, I, I can bring you with me and we'll go fishing and we'll water ski. We'll be together. I want to do that because I want my time to be spent enjoying family together out in the outdoors. And so we would go boating. But guess when we didn't go boating? More often than not, was, we would go and we would meet up and then we would come home so we could be in church Sunday. Now, sometimes we go on vacation and we would go up and we would have church in the boat. And we're free to do that, too. We would honor the Lord with, so one time I remember it was raining. We were out on the lake with the cover up and a bucket of KFC. And we had a worship service out there just as a, as a family. We found a way to honor him even in the boat on his day. But I would say that I learned from my grandfather that there was an unshakable, almost unbreakable commitment to being together with the people of God on Sunday. And that example has served me well. I think this is an important thing. Gathering for worship is, in a sense, the first step into the day of worship to celebrate the Lord. It's, you come to be with God's people, to learn from His Word, to sing God's praise, to fellowship with one another, sometimes to enjoy a meal together. What rival activities would compete with this gathering? Have you ever been guilty of thinking about the hawks 
kick off at one o'clock. Lord, just get me through this service so I can get on to the good stuff. Been there? It, for me, it was the 49ers growing up. They won a lot of Super Bowls, a lot of Sundays, Super Bowl Sundays. Sitting in church, listening to my dad preach. Can't wait for that game. I love you, Lord, but I really can't wait for that game. You see what's going on here? Where is my heart, though I'm in my seat? I'm not there. What rival activities or places or thoughts or family gatherings or whatever it might be? Where is my mind, Lord? Where's my heart when I'm in my seat worshiping you? Am I thinking about lesser things? Mm. I just say this. We don't cancel church for football. It's not going to happen. Why? Because God is, and this is his day. Now, you can watch football to his glory. You can enjoy football. You can even go golfing to the glory of God on a Sunday. That's okay. We're going to take the kids and we're going to go out on the lake and enjoy fellowship together and pull some tubes around. It's not sinful to do that. But where's the priority? Where's the focus? In the activities that we choose to engage in, who is the Lord of that day in my heart? And what rivals would seek to compete with that? Don't make Sundays about football. Cultural apathy gives us opportunity. I, 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 don't, I don't have a problem. I don't really expect the world to care at all about Sunday. I'm kind of surprised that stuff closes still around here. Why would a more or less post-Christian culture esteem the Lord's Day? I don't expect that, but I do expect us to. And here's what happens when we do. We stand out. We stand out. No, I'm sorry, Ethan can't mow that lawn today. It's Sunday. It's a different day. We're not trying to make money today. No, no, I won't run in that Olympic race, Eric Little says. Why? You fool! It's the race. It's the Olympics. No, it's Sunday. It's the Lord's Day. I don't want to do that. There's something more important than a gold medal to me. And Eric Little to this day is remembered. Why? Witness. Because of his love for God and the priority that he held on the Lord's day. I think we can do this. Not pointing our fingers down and, and turning our noses up. Oh, look at those heathens mowing their grass. Oh my goodness, it's a scandal. No, no. There is a way to stand out in the midst of. To be, an, as Peter would call us, an alien people who are called to live in the world. People set apart, holy unto the Lord. The blessings of God's holy day. The world says you are what you produce. Don't work six days with that as your thought. Don't boil down your identity as the world would say. Hi, good to meet you. What do you do for a living? I want to know who you are. Well, that's not really wrapped up in what I do, is it? That's wrapped up in who saved me. I am, I am a child of God. 
That, that is who I am. Ephesians reiterates this. Who am I in Christ? I am His. I am chosen. I am loved. I am redeemed. I am sustained all week long in my work, and I am kept. That is who I am. And the Sabbath, the day unto the Lord, the break with work, reminds me, in fact, that I can rest. I don't have to produce seven days a week. There is a day where I can rest and trust the Lord. Hmm. I love Psalm 23. Come back to it again and again. This jumped out to me as I studied. He makes me lie down. Sometimes on Sunday, it's, it's hard to slow down, isn't it? But God, the gentle shepherd, the loving shepherd, who gives the gift, the freedom of a day unto the Lord, says, lay down. Let, just lay down. Rest in these green pastures. Lead, he leads me beside still waters. And in that what? He restores my soul. What does that say? Christian, your soul regularly needs restoring. You, you need to consider the health of your soul as you consider the health of your physical body. If you were unhealthy, you would seek out a doctor. If your soul feels as if it is shriveled throughout the week, then give it a day. And watch what God does as He ministers, as you draw your attention to Him, as you live in His Word, as you come and worship with His people. Oh, it's soul-restoring. It's the gift of the day. Be still and know that I am God. Sometimes that's hard for those who live in a place that just struggles to slow down. Hmm. I like this word, Dan, as we studied and prepared and thought through sabbatical plans. I love how Dan said, you know, Pastor, really what you're talking about is a, is a sila." in your ministry. It's a pause and ponder. Just like in a song, you would have a musical interlude where you just let the weight of those words just sit and soak into your soul. A day unto the Lord is a, is a sila in your week. Pause and ponder. Consider what He's done. Count your many blessings. Rest in Him. A day unto the Lord is a day to focus and worship the Lord. It's a day to gather together and feast on God's Word. It's a day to spend time and celebrate with God's people. It's a day to pause and intentionally drink in God's glory. It's a day to slow down, take a nap. This was a, a very common Sunday afternoon experience. And when you're young, you're like, really? Take a nap? Oh, old people take a nap. And the more Sundays hit me now, I'm like, I'm in on the nap. Sit on the porch. Just sit there. Think about who He is, what He's done. Go for a walk. Get away from email and work. Kids, get away from homework. Here is an encouragement to students. Yeah, Gracie's like, yes. That's exactly right. That's the day. 
do what you need to do on Saturday so that on Sunday you're not stressing out for that Monday morning thing. It'll steal away your rest. Be ready for Monday on Saturday just like they gathered the manna so that they could rest on that day. His day. Hmm. Deadlines, performance reviews, all the pressures of Monday. Don't take it up. Just rest. You could think of it this way. You have to work to rest. It takes work to rest. You have to be purposeful. You have to think it through. You have to plan it out. And then you trust God with the rest. Work to rest on Sunday. Trust God with the rest. I think what you'll find is He honors this. He honors this. Similar to when we give sacrificially and joyfully, He honors that. It's a day unto the Lord. Now, the focus of God's holy day, the focus of God's holy day, come to me. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. What do you see in that? What, what, what do you picture there? I picture slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years carrying these bricks, heavy laden, worn out, weary slaves who carry this burden day after day. I just listened to Pilgrim's Progress yesterday in the car and Oh, Pilgrim carried this burden day after day. He's heavy and he's weary and he's, he's weighed down. And Jesus says, come, just come, come. Do you feel what the Lord's day is for you? Jesus isn't saying, come over here, let me give you a mile-long list of all the things you can't do. Let me heap on you all of the burdens of all the legalism of all of this and that. No, he's saying, just come, come, rest. Come and rest. I will give you rest. This is why I believe Jesus fulfilled the fourth commandment. He's the reality of this rest. Take my yoke upon you. He trades this heavy burden of bricks and clay and he sets upon us the freeing nature of his command the the joy overflowing infinite freedom of his commandments my yoke is easy and my burden is light i am gentle and lowly in heart he says and you will find rest for your souls that's the focus of our day before him the focus of our day it's got a focal point and as we go through his day we draw our attention again and again and again to our savior hmm. have you found rest have you found rest in jesus today or do you find yourself like pilgrim or it's just carrying all of these rocks this burden have you found that as you walk through this life your attempts to earn god's favor your workings have just weighed you down you you realize they'll never be enough you can never be good enough to gain 
what you have been given freely in Jesus Christ. You could say it this way. Jesus' work is perfect and it's complete. And he says, come. Come, burden people. Come, sinners, come and rest in my finished work. Mm. I pray today that that is where you find yourself. At peace with the Lord. One who is resting in Him. Not, not running from Him. Not the rebel. Not trying to earn your salvation by the things that you do. That will never work. Jesus offers rest. That is the whole focal point of the Lord's day. Response this morning, I am praying that God will land in a thousand different ways this, this vision of His day in your life. It could be that as families you go home and you talk about this. What, what, what does this mean for us today? No, it's not just tradition. No, don't just do it because your parents did it or didn't do it. Let's think this through and be a, a wise people of God. We seek to honor Him and the things that we think about and the convictions we live out on this day. Maybe a question would be, is the Lord's Day set apart from all other days? Just start there. How is it set apart and different? Maybe this, how can I or how can we be more intentional to make it a day unto the Lord. That is my prayer. I, I don't feel that it would serve to give a list of all of the things that you shouldn't do. I think that would be a huge mistake. It would be reductionistic. That would be pharisaical in many ways. Just let the commandment meet you and then ask the Lord to lead you from the heart to a day unto Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being the God who is so good to recognize, oh, how we are prone to just produce. We have this sense in which we have to just go, 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 and you say no. Thank you for loving us enough to make us lie down, to, to lead us beside quiet waters, and Lord, to be so loving to restore our souls. Help us to be a people tuned into the nature of our existence, to understand that we are a, a, a spiritual people, that we have a soul that needs to be renewed. Oh, I thank you that we can gather here freely, that we can worship you with passion and joy that we can come and and set a day together to gather and make much of you father we ask for wisdom as we seek to live this out to put these these examples these principles to work to honor this commandment and seek to obey it from the heart help us not to judge point the finger as paul cautioned us against but to, to be fully convinced and then to live out from the heart what you would call us to today. Rest in Jesus our Savior. 
It's in his name we pray. Amen.